0: This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast is brought to you by Bauerfine Premium Braces and Supports. Bauerfine promotes mobility and activity through pain relief and improved joint control.
1: Welcome back to Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD, where we explore the intersection of health and hypermobility, focusing on dancers and other aesthetic athletes. This is co-host Jennifer Milner, here with the founder of Bendy Bodies, Dr. Linda Bluestein.
0: Our goal is to bring you state of the art medical information to help you live your best life. Please remember to always consult with your own healthcare team before making any changes to your routine.
1: Our guest today is Vita Bachman, former competitive rhythmic gymnast, and now the owner and head coach of Beyond Limits Rhythmic Gymnastics and Beyond Limits Workout. Vita, hello, and thank you so much for being here today. Hello, Jennifer and Linda. Thank you so much for having me. We're thrilled to chat with you. Yes, we are. Vita, um, can you share before we get started with um, our discussion? Can you share just a little bit of your background? Sure. Um, I'm a competitive gymnast from rhythmic uh,
2: in rhythmic gymnastics from Kiev, Ukraine. That's where I trained originally when I lived in Ukraine. Uh, I moved to the United States at the age of 19. Um, Before that, when I was training in rhythmic gymnastics, um, it was quite an interesting process because my coach would come to the daycare and she would select the girls she wanted. So she came to my daycare, she selected me for rhythmic gymnastics, and just the fact that I was selected for something just made me fall in love with my coach, made me fall in love with rhythmic gymnastics. Um, obviously it's a big part of Ukrainian culture, big part of Ukrainian, Eastern European culture. This sport is extremely well-known. So I grew up with it. This sport shaped me. It formed me as a person. Uh, it gave me a career that I love. Um, and that's what I've been doing almost my entire life.
1: (laughs) So going beyond, um, competing as a gymnast. Um, Tell us a little bit more about your background since you retired as a competitive gymnast. Since I retired as a competitive gymnast, I continued to coach.
2: Um, In Ukraine, I was coaching for about five years before moving to the United States. Rhythmic gymnastics has always been part of my life. Even during college years, even during the time when I took a break from coaching competitively, I still was very much involved in the sport. Uh, After moving to the United States, I became a coach um, at a gym in Tennessee. The name of the gym is Light It Shine Gymnastics. Uh, It was my first introduction to the sport of rhythmic gymnastics in the United States. Um, One thing led after another thing, and eventually I was selected as a regional chair for rhythmic gymnastics in the United States. Um, It's a huge honor to be part of the committee and I was, conti- I, I would continue to coach rhythmic gymnastics all the way through the present time. Mm.
1: So you have quite a history. And what I love about the experience that you're bringing to this conversation is that um, you worked in the Ukraine, both as a gymnast and as a coach, and then you worked in the US. And I'm sure there are very different styles um, to those types of training. And and I'm sure you've been able to see sort of a very big picture of rhythmic gymnastics from all different points of view. Um, Before we go too much further into it, though, what's the difference between rhythmic gymnastics and traditional gymnastics that we see so much of?
2: Yes, definitely. Traditional gymnastics is also called artistic gymnastics. Uh, Both disciplines have the word gymnastics in it, however two disciplines are completely different. They are different in the way um, of the apparatus each discipline uses, they're different as far as training technique, very different. Um, Traditional rhythmic gymnastics, which is the artistic gymnastics, is a sport where, where both men and women compete, but as of now Uh, Olympic sport of rhythmic gymnastics um, only has women's um, division. It might change because rhythmic gymnastics and the world in general is changing and there is a very interesting Japanese um, branch of rhythmic gymnastics that is developing right now Um, and maybe with time it will become mainstream. And maybe boys will become interested in rhythmic gymnastics. It looks very, very different from the traditional women's gymnastics. That's what makes it very interesting. So that's one of the differences. Another major difference is the type of apparatus. In um, artistic gymnastics, um, uneven bars, balance beam, floor exercises used, various skills on uh, like tumb- tumbling passes, swinging elements, and in-flight elements are used, uh, pommel horse, still rings, vault, parallel bars, basically stationary equipment. In rhythmic gymnastics, the apparatus that we use is handheld. Mm-hmm. We use rope, clubs, ball, hoop, and ribbon. And depending on the Olympic cycle, four of those pieces of apparatuses are used uh, in a certain Olympic cycle.
1: I had never thought about that. I mean, I've watched rhythmic gymnastics, and I've watched artistic gymnastics, but I never thought about the fact that in artistic gymnastics, the apparatus doesn't move, right? I mean, it gives a little bit, but it's stationary. And in rhythmic gymnastics, that's the whole point is that you're trying to move the apparatus, you're trying to move the props. That's. I never looked at it that way. That's interesting.
2: Yes, definitely. And in artistic gymnastics, the main emphasis, I would say, is power and strength. Mm-hmm an element of danger and excitement. In rhythmic gymnastics, the emphasis on grace and beauty and flexibility and fluid movement, um, it's a very much dance-based movement. Um, And obviously, manipulation of hand apparatus that is getting more and more exciting, more and more complicated.
0: Yes, definitely. That's a that's a very interesting distinction. And and what sort of um, different demands and expectations are put on the body of a rhythmic gymnast? And are the standards for a rhythmic gymnast body different than that of a artistic
2: gymnast? yes it is it's definitely different two different sports which require two different level of preparation in artistic gymnastics like i mentioned before strength and power is emphasized in rhythmic gymnastics grace and beauty so traditionally the way um a little girl is selected for each sport different body type is selected correct um Right now, in modern rhythmic gymnastics, it's um, changing quite a bit and it's very interesting to see that change. However, traditionally, what the traditional body type for ballet would be, long lean lines, flexibility, all of that would also apply to rhythmic gymnastics. Um, Like I said, it is changing because in modern rhythmic gymnastics, the demand on the body are so severe. um, I wouldn't even say severe. They are a lot more higher expectations, so strength is becoming a huge part of rhythmic gymnastics. Conditioning programs, the way we train gymnasts nowadays has changed 180 degrees from the time when I was a gymnast. Um, A huge emphasis on strength, conditioning, um, core training, just the full body preparation is emphasized now.
1: Do you see, um, because that was another question I, I kind of had in the back of my mind was the difference between when you were competing and, and now, and it sounds like it's a very similar sport or performance, but the expectations, as you said, have gotten higher. So the, the expectations of more complicated moves have, has risen. But at the same time, it sounds like you're saying that um, the support for those more complicated and those more difficult moves has come as well. So while the demands are increasing, so is the support with conditioning, core strength, all of that. Is that fair to
2: say? That is absolutely true, yes. And it makes me very happy to see that because (laughs) I was a coach in my earlier years and days. I kept looking for resources. How can I keep up with this difficult demand on the body? especially at a younger age. The span of a rhythmic gymnast is short compared to a dancer or a professional dancer. They will be done by the time, I, you know, if they achieve the highest level, maybe in their 20s they will be done, while a dancer continues to dance further than that. And um, to be able to prepare a gymnast to perform at a high level at a, high, at a younger age, it's a tremendous responsibility. It is not easy to do. And that is one of the reasons why I kept looking for resources in my younger um, years of coaching. And the dance world at the time offered a lot more resources. So that's where
1: I ended up. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that you um, saw that there was a hole to fill, right? That you thought there needs to be more support here for what these athletes, these gymnasts are being asked to do, and you didn't see it yet in your area. And so you went outside of the area, you found something similar to it with dance, and you started to draw information and experiences um, from the dance world. And that's that's incredibly smart of you. And I'm I'm sure it's reflected in your students that you coach, that you have sort of been on, on the forefront of piecing together what was needed to help support these gymnasts as they move forward. So well done.
2: (laughs) Thank you, I really appreciate it. In the last few years, I have to say, Caroline Hunt, who is the president of the USA Gymnastics, uh, Rhythmic Gymnastics, she has put together tremendous resources for Rhythmic Gymnastics coaches. Um, If we log into the USA Gymnastics website and there is an education section for coaches, I can watch those seminars and webinars forever, because this is exactly what my heart desires. I really want to know, um, how can I do good for the children? How? What am I doing that I was taught in a certain way, but it's not applicable anymore? Or maybe I question, how was it before versus the rhythmic gymnastics nowadays, and um, It just makes me really happy to see the amount of resources that are starting to come up in in our day and age.
0: That that really is fabulous. As we as we know more and can do better, it's it's great to see people doing just that, right? And really um, doing that, like you said, for the for the children. And and you served as the USA rhythmic gymnastics regional director for several years and continue to coach rhythmic gymnastics today, how how
2: did your experience as a gymnast influence how you train your students today? Uh, The way I coach is influenced by several factors. It's my own positive experience. It's my own negative experience. Methods of training have changed and education and resources that are available nowadays All of those factors influence how I coach children. First of all, starting with my own positive experience, rhythmic gymnastics, when I was a gymnast, used to be very different. It used to be a lot more artistic. I strive more of an old-school style of rhythmic gymnastics with clean lines, finished lines, good technique, huge emphasis on ballet, expression, musicality in my students. Um, I try not to chase the points because the more difficulty you put in a routine, the more points you get, the more competitive you are. Um, I try to enjoy the process. I try to look at a gymnast and see what does she need? Not how many points she can get, but what does she need? How can I develop her in the best way that she can be developed as a young child? Um, So that's that philosophy I hold on to it strongly, however, it is somewhat difficult because such approach does present difficulty because it takes much longer to develop a gymnast going that way. Um, When I look at my negative experience as a child, as uh, a gymnast being trained, some of the stretching techniques, for example, are not applicable anymore. I know how it feels. I remember how it felt at the time. And I do not want to use those methods. We have new information. We have new ways of stretching, new ways of using um, various techniques, new flexibility programs. Why not take advantage of that? Um, another big part um, of the experience that I apply to today's gymnastics in my school is mental and emotional well being of a child. Pushing a child is, that's what we need to do. That's part of the job. I'm a co- coach. This is a competitive sport. Results are very important, but not at all costs. I keep educating parents. I keep educating gymnasts that we do want to strive for excellence, but we don't want to
1: do it at any cost. We're both nodding furiously for anybody, <laughs> anybody who's yeah. listening. I know you can't hear our heads nods, have-
0: but... <laughs> I have simultaneous goosebumps and I'm getting a little teary to be honest because I know. I'm I'm thinking all kids need to work with you because that's what they need is someone who truly cares about them as people not just as competitors and that truly is thinking ahead to how is this body going to feel and behave as an adult as an older adult um how are they going to be feeling emotionally psychologically yeah, I'm really just digesting
1: that. I want to print it out and just hand it out to all the other teachers. They're like, here's, here's Vita Bachman's, you know, four point, <laughs> how she how she, um, how she tries to train students. I love it. And this may it may not be for a podcast,
2: but I have to admit, you two have an episode on emotional well-being of dancers, mm. and I still cannot bring myself to listen to it because I cannot bring back the emotions that will come up. So um, I'm just very happy that we live at the day and age where we do, and we have different ways of coaching and teaching. And it's so important for parents to
0: understand that there are people like you who are practicing these Newer methods, incorporating newer literature in psychological support for dancers and competitors that there are you don't have to have your child come home in tears every day. and if you if you are experiencing that and your child is, you know, seeming to be um, really, I don't want to say tortured in the process, but I mean, if you feel like something is off and you feel like, does it really have to be this way? Then maybe you know. I mean, there, are, there's a especially if you look at like ballet studios, for example. There's a million of them in the United States. There's just tons and tons of ballet schools. So you know, it's as a parent, I think that's one of the most important decisions that you can make is where you send your child for for training and whether they turn out to be a professional or a competitor or if they're doing it more for fun. Um, it can have such a huge impact because they're so young. Usually, when they are under the influence of their coaches, so. Well,
1: and I think that what you said about, um, and thank you for sharing that, that just thinking about having an emotionally healthy space, it's hard for us as retired dancers to go back and process sometimes the things that we went through, because as you, it, it's a very different time. Um, and the important thing is to know that now we, that we know better and we remember what that feels like. We want to move forward, making it better for this next generation. So we are so grateful that there are people like you in rhythmic gymnastics, which can be a really high pressure competitive sport. So thank you and thank you for sharing that. And,
0: and we know that rhythmic gymnastics um, definitely has more than its share of bendy bodies as we, as we refer to them. Um, how do you deal with students who have more hypermobility than average? And do you think there's a point at which um, someone becomes too
2: hypermobile and it becomes a liability? You know, it definitely is a sport of bendy (laughs) bodies. One of the main criteria for selecting a young girl for the sport, correct? So anybody can do rhythmic gymnastics. You don't have to be bendy. However, um, a girl who does have natural flexibility will be ahead. Things will be easier for her uh, because of the nature of the sport. Um, Hypermobile rhythmic gymnast, definitely part of the sport, we train them with much much care the coach realizes immediately that this child is beautiful she is going to be noticed right away however the results will not come right away very often we it's a waiting game we have to wait we have to do the right things we have to give them good technique, solid foundation we have to pay special attention to conditioning to strength training and then we wait We keep doing, and we will see the results with years to come. The problem with that, the coaches understand that, but the parents don't always understand that. And what I often see is a gymnast who I know will be incredible in the future. They do not place well. They may not pull off hard-level skills yet. They may not jump high because they don't jump high. You know, naturally bendy. Or more flexible body type, they don't develop jumps until much later. So it's it's an education process for the parents. And it's a matter of trusting. If the parent trust the coach, yes, everything will be okay. Just wait. They don't have to place right now. In fact, my daughter is that way. I have a little girl who is nine year old, years old, who also wants to be a rhythmic gymnast and a ballerina. And tomorrow she might want to be a cat sitter. I don't know. But <laughs> right now she has big ambitions. And I have to have these conversations with her. She is beautiful. she's incredible. But she doesn't place well. If we, go, if we went to open championships last year, she was not awarded. She was not even on the pedestal. It's okay with me because I know her potential. But she is very young. All she cares about is the little ribbon that she gets or a trophy. Mm-hmm a medal and she told me I must be the worst one because look at all of those beautiful girls and I didn't even place and I have to work with her I have to talk to her a lot I have to show her her strength I have to explain to her that you are like a flower right now is the time to plant the seed but you will not see the flower bloom until you're older, until you're stronger until your body develops until you receive the proper training. So because she's my own daughter, we are in this process. However, what makes me sad is when parents don't trust that process and pull out the child way ahead of time before they have the chance to develop that potential.
1: Well, and I think what's really interesting here, and we're about to get to this um, in our conversation, is you also do um, stretching for other Um, artistic athletes like dancers and skaters. And I think what's interesting here is that rhythmic gymnastics has the edge over the dance world um, with hypermobility in that hypermobility has always been a factor for rhythmic gymnastics. And it's just recently, relatively recently, become sort of a desirable factor to some people in the dance world. So in the dance world, if right now, it seems If people see someone that's very flexible and very hypermobile, they immediately start pushing them forward and going oftentimes, you know, look at this, let's, let's see what we can do with this young dancer and don't have that slow and low approach yet because they just don't have the experience that you have. But rhythmic gymnastics coaches have that experience because you've been working with them for so long, start slow. They're going to come out of the gate later, but when they do, it's going to be incredible. So how do you work with both sides? So, so I can see how you work with the rhythmic gymnasts. How do you work as a stretch coach for the dancers and the skaters and, and sort of help them not push themselves too much for social media and feeling that pressure of, being, of going too far? It all starts with educating the parents,
2: because most of the time the parents are the ones who contact me. Uh, When the parent contacts me and tells me, please push her hard. If it's okay, if she cries, please stretch her so hard that she can get that skill. I get those requests. I say, I don't work that way. I will help your dancer. I will help your gymnast. If you're willing to follow the methods that I use. Um, You have to understand that in rhythmic gymnastics, we get the children when they are very young. We start them at the age of maybe four, five, six, seven. And we have until they're about 12 years old, or maybe 10, 12 years old, we have all of those years to develop them. We have all of those years to develop strength, flexibility, coordination. Those years are the years when we lay the foundation. When a dancer comes to me and she's already 12 years old, she wants the same level of flexibility that took me five years to develop. Mm-hmm. So very often I explain to the parent, this is not going to be fast. It requires consistency. It needs to be gentle. As far as working with the dancer or the skater or an athlete, I explain to them communication is the key. So please talk to me. What do you feel right now? Is this too much? Would you like a little bit more challenge? Um, What does your body feel? What is your body telling you right now? I observe the dancer um, for the first few lessons. After that, I understand the dancers, the dancer a little bit more. I understand how their body works and I adjust my method because even though we do have um, a preset workout routine for developing the qualities of flexibility that we need, every dancer is different and they come to me with a different package. Their starting point is very different. So I have to work with what they have, and I have to teach them patience. Very often, I don't teach flexibility as much as I teach patience. <laughs> Be patient with yourself. Um, oftentimes, I give them very simple homework that is safe to do at home, because in flexibility training, it's not the harshness of the exercise that makes a difference. It's the consistency. I,
0: I, I love that. The, the nervous system, if you, if you push them to pass the point of pain and all of that, the nervous system will react and it, you actually will not increase flexibility, right?
2: Your body will shut down and you won't be able to increase flexibility.
0: Right, right. Th- this also reminds me of Jen's and my very, very first podcast interview that we did, which was with Moira McCormick, who was the head physiotherapist for the Royal Ballet and former Royal Ballet dancer. And she said, the um, the more talent that she sees, the more that she sees that the dancer has real potential, um, and or if they have, you know, the uh, some some the right amount of hypermobility and a degree of getting into those um, aesthetic lines that she actually delays putting them up on point because they you want that to happen at the right time. You want them to peak at the right time. And so this is reminding me very much of the approach
1: that she takes. Mm-hmm. Well, and Lisa Howell as well, and yeah. several of the guests, Mar- Maria Elena Ruiz. Um, yeah. So many of our guests, the overriding conversation about training hypermobile athletes is slow and low, slow and low. Um, and I'm so grateful that you are reinforcing that. So, So as you're moving forward with rhythmic gymnastics, Um, what are, are there any hurdles that you're still facing today and as a coach and what are your hopes for the sport as it moves forward? My main concern or a
2: hurdle or maybe a conflict that I'm working through is reconciling the techniques and the methods that I believe in with Mm -hmm. the defense of the modern rhythmic gymnastics. Um, that is basically what I'm struggling with nowadays. And this is why I'm following a lot of resources like yours. I would like to find out more and learn as much as I can about increasing effectiveness of exercises and eliminating the mindless traditional exercises that have always been there that may or may not be effective. So staying competitive is one of the biggest um, hurdles, so to speak, with a philosophy that I try to hold on to.
1: Absolutely. I think, um, I think that's the tension for all artistic sports and all artistic athletes is how do we stay relevant and how do we um, continue to capture the audience and entertain them and enlighten them and show them things that are new and fresh um, while still maintaining a level of excellence and while still maintaining, um, a healthy physical and mental attitude. And that is that balance that we walk with all artistic sports and the, the mental aspect of it and the physical health support, like conditioning and outside training are just starting to come alongside for a lot of these issues or a lot of these sports, um, And we're really grateful that that you're doing the work that you're doing and that you're modeling a a really healthy attitude of, well, let's look at why I did the things that I did and let's see what I could do or should do differently moving forward and what things I can keep that were really great and where can I learn um, from experts and how can I improve my knowledge to make the next generation better. I, I really appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you very
2: much, Jan and Linda.
1: I really appreciate the
2: work that you are doing. I always <laughs> look forward to the next new podcast. And I always, without exception, learn something new from it. And my students benefit from it as well. Well, that's so great to hear. And and was there anything that you wanted to talk about that
0: we didn't cover today? And then of course we want to know where people can learn more about you and the work that you're doing.
2: One of the questions I believe I missed is the pressure of social media nowadays. Mm. I am not a very good social media person, as you can see, (laughs) Um, the reason why is because I'm a private person. I love to do my work. I love to enjoy the process. I love to see the victories and the the improvements that my dancers and my gymnasts are making. Um, However, in this day, social media is where everything is. So I often start my stretching classes or lessons with a humorous line. So let's start stretching so that you can put that beautiful picture on your Instagram today. (laughs) And we realize no, today is not going to happen. It's a process. Um, It's fun to put beautiful pictures and, and photos of flexible poses on social media. I don't have anything against it if there is a foundation to it. Um, I, I, I believe human body is capable of so much and we are exploring those limits and we're going beyond those limits. However, there needs to be a healthy balance and educating the dancers, especially the young ones, educating them on how to use the resources they have and not randomly go on YouTube and try to recreate what they see because they often don't realize how much work and how many years went into that one pose and they're trying it and it's not going to work or they might hurt themselves. So um, educating the dancers, continue to do the good job that you are doing with your podcast. And I think with time, we will get the message across. Absolutely. And, and I think it's
0: so, challenging nowadays to remember that social media success does not equal success and (laughs) there are people who are tremendously popular on social media but you know don't necessarily have the impact um, otherwise and vice versa you know people can be have incredibly successful businesses and you know not not have a presence at all really on social media so i think it's a, it's a challenging space that we're in, especially for something that's so highly visual, such as ballet and rhythmic gymnastics. And they, so they are such a perfect fit for something like Instagram. Um, so yeah, trying to figure out how to um, balance that can be tricky.
1: Vita, we have talked about how your performance as a rhythmic gymnast um, and competing as a rhythmic gymnast has affected you and um, influenced how you work as a coach. Um, How did your experience as a rhythmic gymnast, how has it influenced um, you physically, personally, and the choices that you make as a coach from those experiences? When you are young,
2: you're very passionate and you're willing to do whatever it takes to achieve the results. You are willing to put in extra hours. You're willing to stretch extra hard. You're willing to not take breaks. And that's the training method or approach that I used to follow when I was a gymnast. Even when I was a young, inexperienced coach, I have to admit that I also used those methods because I didn't know any better at the time. Um, However, once you cross a certain age and you start getting feedback from your own body, you also start asking questions. Why am I having this issue with my body? Why do my hips hurt? Why do my toes hurt? Why can't I go up the stairs and down the stairs without pain? Obviously, there could be other and many other reasons that are related. However, all of those questions are always in the back of my mind. Because when I train dancers or gymnasts, my first priority is to do no harm. Yes, help them achieve the results. However, my first priority, there is so much more years, so many more years of life after gymnastics. How will they live their lives? How will their body serve them? So taking that into account has been my biggest priority to be honest. And um, as a young gymnast, I quit gymnastics because of stre- stress fracture in my lower back. My doctors did not allow me to continue to training. I achieved the candidate, of, candidate of, to master of sports level which is comparable to level nine rhythmic gymnastics in the US, about the same level. I could not move on to level 10. I could not achieve my master's of sports degree because of such severe injury. And as a child, I remember the pain and I remember um, not being able to get up in the morning. And I I remember how it reflected in my hips, in my legs, how painful it was to walk. Luckily, the break from gymnastics healed all of that. And maybe not all of it, but maybe I do feel better now. However, my personal experience and the feedback my own body gives me plays tremendous and huge role in the way I coach my um, students.
0: That that ties back into what you were saying earlier about that you are – teaching your dancers and your rhythmic gymnasts to listen to their own bodies, which I think is so valuable. So often I think coaches are not instilling that in their students. And I think that that is such a fantastic thing to teach, especially at a young age before we start running into, you know, a lot of problems because then we can be so much more proactive. So that's, that's really, really special and really
2: valuable that you're teaching them that. So, where can people learn more about you and your work, Vita? My website is www.beyondlimitsrg.com. My Instagram pages are Beyond Limits Workout and Beyond Limits RG or Beyond Limits Rhythmic Gymnastics.
1: Excellent. I will look forward to looking at those. I know I subscribed to one, I think I have to subscribe to the other one. Um, So you have been listening to the Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD. Today, we have been speaking with Vita Bachman, rhythmic gymnastics coach and owner of Beyond Limits Rhythmic Gymnastics and Beyond Limits Workout. Vita, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Bendy Bodies podcast and share your expertise with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. We've loved chatting with you. Yes, we have. And to our listening audience, we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for joining us
0: for this episode of Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD, where we explore the intersection of health and hypermobility for dancers and other aesthetic athletes. If you found this information valuable, please share it with a colleague or friend and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Remember to subscribe so you won't miss future episodes. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Bendy underscore bodies and our website is www bendybodies.org. If you want to follow Bendy Bodies founder and co-host Dr. Bluestein on Instagram, it's at hypermobilitymd, all one word, and her website is www.hypermobilitymd.com. If you want to follow co-host Jennifer Milner on Instagram, it's at Jennifer period M-I-L-N-E-R, M I L N E R, and her website is wwwjennifer Thank you for helping us spread the word about hypermobility and associated conditions. We want to hear from you. Please email us at infobendybodies.org to share feedback. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the co-host and their guests. They do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. The thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice and should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, as this information is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please refer to your local qualified health practitioner for all medical concerns. We'll catch you next time on the Bendy Bob podcast. This episode of the Bendy Bodies podcast was brought to you by Bowerfine premium braces and supports designed to provide joint stability and pain relief.